This podcast has some explicit language, so perhaps not the best one to listen if you have little ears nearby. I'm Scott Galloway, and you're listening to 1K, the 1,000-second podcast. Every podcast is entertainment-focused and interview-driven. At the end of that time, we're done. 1K is affiliated with the 100 Words Film Festival and powered by Ortho Carolina. Let's put 1,000 seconds on the clock. Our guest today is an actor of film, television, and the stage. He's appeared in everything from Dawson's Creek and One Tree Hill to Homeland, Nashville, and recently, Stranger Things. I've had the pleasure to work with him and watch him on television and film, as well as having seen him perform live on stage. I'm a big fan and excited to have with us today actor Brian LaFontaine. Brian, welcome. Thank you, Scott. That was a fantastic intro. Well, I I mean it. I'm happy to have you here. So I want to start with um, a conversation we had about a year ago when you told me you just shot this program called Stranger Things. I think it was season two. Is that right? Yeah. Tell me a little bit about that. Uh, that was episode six of season two. Okay. Am I should I give away spoilers for people who haven't seen the show, or does it matter? Does I don't it know that matter? it matters. Okay. You do whatever you want to do. Yeah. It was the episode where like all the monster dog things attack the hospital and okay. basically kill everyone. And I was one of the the doctor scientists with Paul Reiser and uh, Winona Ryder and David Harbor and Sean Astin. Um, everyone was it was really really encouraging. Um, welcoming. Not every set is like that. Yeah. You could tell that these people are really, really enjoying what they're doing. And they know big names. These are big, big names. names. Yes. Yeah. And the big, series big is names. done incredibly well, I'm guessing, in part because of that. Did, did you notice anything else having done production and seen it on, on air as to why it's so successful? Any show that's successful always comes down to the writing. Yeah. I think that's the most important thing. Mm-hmm. If the writing is good, then really good people are also going to be attracted to the project as well. You had a critical role in the television show Nashville. Yes. Um, for those who hadn't seen your role in that one, tell us a little bit about what you did and how that came to be, and I mean even how it came to be when you arrived on set. Yeah, I played uh, a doctor on that one. Um, again, spoiler for those of you who, are, who haven't caught up on Nashville. I was the doctor in the episode where Connie Britton dies. Yeah. I was the doctor that couldn't save her life. Mm. Um, it is basically unheard of for a television series to kill off their number one on the uh, on the cast list. Mm. So when I auditioned for the show, the scripts that they sent me for auditioning were the dialogue and everything was the same, but they made the characters different. They okay. made it seem like it was like one of the co-starring guys who had been in an accident or something like that. And they only gave me one scene. And again, I was in a half dozen scenes in that episode. And I didn't realize because I had been booked for several days. And I'm like, why do I have so much time on this episode when I only got the one scene that's all they sent me and I didn't I didn't know until I got there when they gave me the whole script that it's like oh it's Connie Britton that's dying that you can't save wow and there's multiple scenes so so what um, was that like for you I mean were you were you scared excited yes okay. I was both it was both um I you know I get cast to play a doctor a lot so there's always a lot of technical jargon and why that you is have that to... can you work a stethoscope or what is it that <laughs> people look and go that guy I'd, I'd be fine with him giving a prostate exam <laughs> right. <laughs> why? I don't Why, Doctor Brian? I have that doctor face. I yeah. guess you okay. know, uh, very reassuring and non-threatening, um, and not as handsome as any of the leads. So it's just like you know, he's appealing enough that he won't be distracting. <laughs> <laughs> You've told me that one of your first really big roles, and it was a big role, was in From the Earth to the Moon, which yes. was in '97. HBO, yeah. is that yeah, right? Yeah, that was for HBO. Tell um, me about that. How did first of all, how did you get that? I mean, we were talking about Tom Hanks. And Ron Howard and Brian right. Grazer. I mean, this is big. Well, they they cast it out of Wilmington, and I got booked. Um, it was my first 
television gig and uh, everybody had been talking about it, other actors that I knew who had worked on it and they're like, oh, this is a great show, it's a great show. So when I got booked on it, I was like through the roof, mm. really, really excited. The great thing about that series was that every episode had a different cast and a different director because it was about a different aspect of uh, the, uh, the Apollo space program. Beyond just landing on the moon, it went all the way through it up until I think 1974. So um, everybody was different for every episode. So the guy who directed my episode was uh, Graham Yost, who wrote the first Speed movie. Okay. He was a really great director. He was very, very appreciative and supportive of the work that I did on set. He sent me a handwritten letter uh, thanking me after. Oh, wow. It was one of the, it was the really the first validating. Uh, moments in my professional career on camera that made me think or made me believe that it's like, okay, you belong here. You yeah. can do this. Yeah. These guys just told you that you could. You hear in the business that you get cast because you're the guy or you're the girl, not because you're the best actor, because you're the guy. Right. In the mind of the director, yeah. he can't fully articulate it until he right. sees you. Yep. Gotcha. Yep, uh, that's so him. Here's something that I hear in the business, too, and, and I don't know if you'll agree with me on this or not, but I think that what you do, the craft of acting, mm -hmm. is often underrated, <laughs> undervalued. I, truly, I mean, I've had so many Thank people you. on set go, well, I could do that. I'd be an actor. I mean, I could be somebody. I could say so. No, you can't. Uh, well, not a good one. Not, yeah. <laughs> you know, people can memorize and recite words. Right. You know, um, but not everybody. I mean, it takes a lot of work to truly fill out a character or a role or capture a moment. Yeah. Acting is a business. While it is also a craft and it is an artistry, if you're going to do it professionally, it yeah. is a business and you have to treat it that way. It's no different than, than anything else. You have to do the work to master your craft or your profession on any level. Acting is no different. Well, and so one of the skills that actors have that I think I can't even relate to this. I mean, there's a myriad of things you do that I can't identify with. But I saw you in the play Three Days of Rain, mm -hmm. the Richard Greenberg play, which has a cast of three. Yes. And you're the lead. And it's a fairly lengthy play. And you've got really difficult dialogue. You're quoting Goethe and Kant and <laughs> on these intellectual rants. And I'm watching this play and I'm thinking to myself, how does Brian memorize all of his lines and then know the other people's lines so he knows when to come back? How do you do that? That show was hard. Uh, it was because, again, three people. It's a lot of talking. Yeah. Um, this is the and, play that uh, – sorry, this is the play that Julia Roberts made her Broadway debut Yes. In. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So that's how yep. people might know her. I spent a lot of time memorizing and memorizing and memorizing and memorizing. Sure, and just you know repeating and going through it over and over in my head. Um, Do you ever freak out? Do you ever get 20 minutes into a show and go, oh, my gosh, I've got an hour 40 left? No. Okay, good. Never. Okay. Never, never, never. Um, so when it's on, you're on. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I mean, I I loved doing that play so much that honestly, every night I was just, I couldn't wait yeah. to get on stage. I couldn't wait. And I didn't want to get off. You know, yeah. I really, I had a fantastic time doing it. Yeah. Well, you did a great job. Thank you. It was a lot of fun watching. Um, another thing you do is voiceover work, yes. which is a fascinating world. Again, a lot of people don't know it or how mm -hmm. it works. Um, I once worked with the actor James Naughton, who a lot of people now know is the voice of Cialis and Nexium. Right. But when I was working with him, he was doing voiceover work for Jeep. He yeah. would record in the basement of his house. Yep. He told me it was incredible for him. It was mm -hmm. a great way to make money. Yep. How do you do voiceover work? It's just another part of the acting business where, you know, you've got to make yourself known and let people know who you are and where you are and that you have access to recording equipment. Um, you know, now that everything's digital and electronic and you can record an MP3 and send it off in a matter of seconds, right. you know, you have to be there and you've got to stay on top of all that stuff. So, and just like anything else, it all comes with time. 
I think you've got a great voice, and Thank I think and, and I think you've got a couple of things going for you that would make you a great person to cast as a voiceover talent. And maybe you've heard this. One is you have no accent. I mean, maybe it's because you grew up in one part of the country and you live in another. But, but the second one is there is this underlying empathetic quality to your voice. Has anyone ever told you that? I mean, it's a very soothing voice. No, no, no one's ever no one's said ever it that okay. nicely before. I, I, I like that. Okay, well, <laughs> I appreciate put that. Put that on your website. <laughs> um, I, and I'll, I'll tell you why I have uh, no distinguishable accent because, again, I'm from Rhode Island, so I should have one, and I used to have one. I used to park the car yeah, just like did. everybody else. Yeah, yeah. I used to play basketball. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> but when I came uh, to college, I was a communications major, and it, it focused primarily on speech communication. Mm. So, no, I had a very thick Rhode Island, you know, southern New England accent when I came down here. And it was interesting because all the all the southern people seconds. in school used to make fun of me. And they'd be like, you talk funny. And I'm like, I talk funny. Um, <laughs> but through the speech classes in college, that's the, that's the biggest thing that I took away from my college education was that it gave me this voice. It really did. Mm. You know, so when I graduated from school, I didn't realize what had sort of you know, uh, transformed and how I could use it. It's like, I'm qualified to work the drive-thru at Burger King. That's right. what I'm qualified to do. I, what, what am I going to do right. now? I had no idea that it was going to lead to this. Any just crazy work that you've done in voiceover? <laughs> what, um, let, let me, I'll rephrase yes. it. What is the craziest voiceover gig you've ever gotten? Can you say, or are you afraid you're going to No, I can say. Defame some folks. I can say as long as, you know, you might have to put an explicit label on this, but... Um, I actually got cast one time uh, to do uh, a series of adult pornographic audiobooks. Really? I was the porn book guy for some client. And I mean, can I curse? Yeah. Fucking graphic shit, man. I am talking really? like, holy crap. Oh, yeah. I'm going to actually say one of the lines, whether you use it or not. If I, There's one where I said, fuck me in the ass, Henri, like dozens of times throughout the book. I had to have an orgasm as a 16-year-old girl. I had to make that sound. Yep. Wow. Oh, yeah. So top that, anybody. <laughs> I don't know. They didn't use my name. I don't know where to find these things. Uh-huh. You know, I'm just like, who are the horny housewives on the beach in the summertime listening to this while the kids are drowning in the water? So <laughs> now, I'm going to sound like I've just, I don't know, jumped off the Amish truck here, but I don't even know what you're talking about. So there's yeah. literally like... Yep. Porn audio books. Audio books. Yeah. Wow. Hardcore erotica audio books out there. Who knew? I didn't. Yeah. Nope. I got the audition notice and there were big bold letters that said, if you're easily offended, just delete this. And it was from, you know, one of the voiceover companies that I, that I worked with. And, uh, and I was like, oh, well, I got to figure, I got to yeah. find out what this is. Yeah. And it's, again, in the description at the top, it said, if you are easily offended, if you don't like adult material, then don't feel like you have to do this. But if you want to... You can send us an audition. And I was like, oh, I got to do this. I got to <laughs> at least send this in. And then when they uh, they called me a couple of weeks later and they're like, you got the porn book job. And I was like, you got to be fucking kidding me. <laughs> so I think I did like six of them. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I got nothing. Yeah. I'm speechless. Well, yeah. Uh, I'm glad that it, uh, that it is over. And it was several years ago. And I'm glad that. Yeah, it was, oh, you were young. You needed the money. <laughs> kind of, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, one of the things about acting that a lot of people notice is that there are almost, um, for lack of a better word, a certain stratification. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you've got your A-listers, yep. you've got your character actors, right. and you kind of have your glorified throw pillows or whatever, <laughs> whatever, whatever you call people kind of in the back. And so my question is, do you as an actor or the people that you've worked with, do you kind of go, you know what, I- I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to gun for this tier? For myself and a lot of the people like me, a lot of the actors like me, I, our biggest goal is really just to work. Right. Um, 
So, you know, when we have to pay the bills yeah. and cover our health insurance and make sure that, you know, all of our expenses are covered, um, we're really just more interested, primarily interested in what's going to help us do that. Well, one of the things you're doing that I think is great, and it's kind of shining a light on those who maybe don't always get recognized, is you have a new podcast. Yes. So it's, we are all about shameless promotion here, Brian. <laughs> Tell us the name of your podcast and what it's about. Uh, the podcast, thank you, Scott. The, the podcast <laughs> is called You May Have Seen, uh-huh. um, and it's about actors like myself, which I call a sort of blue-collar working grunt actor. Yeah. All the the people that help fill out the rest of the show. We're not the celebrities. We're never going to get the recognition that the celebrities get, and we're totally fine with that. But I decided to do the podcast just to, because I think everyone's story is interesting, and I yes. think it's worth telling. So uh, I just wanted to give other actors that platform to basically tell their story. And so what have you learned from hearing from those who don't necessarily always have an opportunity to tell their stories? Uh, what I learned that I was right, um, that the only difference between, you know, George Clooney and cop number two is that George Clooney is famous and cop number two wasn't fortunate enough to become famous. Um, Their commitment to it, their passion for it, their background, how they got there, their love of it, why they stay in it are are pretty similar. You know, at at the end of the day, you know, the people who are famous are they're just people just like the rest of us. And they all started out just like we did. And they moved their way up into it the, the same way that we're still trying to struggle and survive in it. Right. So, you know, Clooney, I think, at one point was the uh, boyfriend of somebody on Facts of yes, Life. Yes, he was. Yeah. Yes, he was. Wow. Which takes yeah. me to this. This is one of my favorite ever dark holes that I just dropped into. I'll <laughs> lose three hours. Do you ever go to IMDb and look up cop number two and think, <laughs> wait, I think that guy was on Gilligan's Island. Or, do you ever play yeah. that game? Yeah. 200 seconds. One of the latest things that I've been doing is I will watch the old match game shows, like a little clip. Oh, my God. Did you ever watch match game? Y- yeah. See Charles Nelson Riley in the yes. corner and then yes. Richard Dawson. And, yes. Um, there was a woman who was on there named Elaine Joyce. Do you remember Elaine Joyce? Oh, my God. I remember the name. I can't place her face. But blonde, short blonde hair, kind of. She was a little like Sandy Duncan. But, yes. But had both of her eyes. Yeah. Um, that's, that's terrible. That's terrible. <laughs> Um, we'll anyways, but anyways, so then what happened to like what happened to Bert Convey? Yes, Fanny Flag. Yep, so I love it. So I think, anyways, I it's a great podcast. I've listened to a little bit. I'm going to listen more and more of it. Thank but you. it is interesting to hear people, I don't know, share their stories that you wouldn't ordinarily hear from. Thank you so much. Thank you. Okay, so let's just say I'm a lot younger than I am, and I'm interested in acting. Mm-hmm. And I come and I talk to you. What advice do you have for me? The first question that I would ask you is, well, do you want to be an actor or do you want to be famous? Mm-hmm. You know, I think that, that that's a big distinction, yeah. um, you know, with pop culture being as huge as it is. And, you know, again, we've all heard that we're in this new golden age of television with all the programming and all the opportunities that seem like that exist to have your own show and have your own platform and to be seen. Um, I think it's very, very easy for younger actors to think, ah. I could be famous. And, I, and instead of it's like, well, that's not the same. If you want to be famous, there's a million ways for you to be famous. If you want to be an actor, that's a different, that's a different deal. You right. know, um, that takes work. It takes commitment. It takes, I mean, you do have to study. You do have to learn how to do it, whether you do it through college or your high school program or a conservatory program or even studio seconds. classes, working with other professionals. You know, there's a number of ways to go about becoming a really, really good or great actor mm. without going to Juilliard. But, it, you can't just wake up and go to an agent's office and say, hey, represent me. I have a face. Right. Um, so I, I would. I, I would encourage everybody. But it's like you have to do the work. 
you have to study, you have to watch other people and you really have to pay attention. That it's not, like you said, it's not just learning the lines and showing up on the day. That's step number one. And right. there's a thousand other steps after that. So you have to learn the other thousand. 60 seconds. Okay, Brian. So here's All the right. deal. We're in the final minute. This okay. is the speed round. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, great. First All question. Right. Spell chrysanthemum. No. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> um, you're from the smallest state in the country, Rhode Island. Give me a big plug for Rhode Island. Wieners and clam cakes, Rhode Island. <laughs> nice. What's your favorite television show right now? The Crown. No, no argument there. What do you enjoy most about hosting your own podcast? Talking with the other actors, really getting to know them and hearing their story. You've lived in New York and you've lived in Los Angeles. Which do you prefer? 30 seconds. New York. Yeah, New no. York, baby. I'm right. an East Coast guy. I'm with you right there, my friend. In high school, you would have been voted most likely to do what? Fade into the background. <laughs> All right. Last question. What is the one role that you have yet to do that you've always wanted to do? Oh, my God. That's not fair because the part of Michael Corleone has already been cast. I mean – Quick, quick. Oh, my gosh. There isn't one. Uh... Thanks for listening to 1K powered by Ortho Carolina. If you like our show, please share it with a friend, leave us a review, and subscribe. Special thanks to producer Jordan Snyder, music by Jason Hausman. I'm your host, Scott Galloway. We'll be back in your feed with a new episode next week that's just 604,800 seconds away.